Jesus' answer to the question of the Pharisees in our gospel lesson this morning about what is the greatest commandment was actually not a novel or inventive on his part. It was, in fact, the traditional orthodox instruction given by other Jewish teachers of his day that the law was summed up in, according to one teacher's words, not doing what is hateful. Jesus, of course, puts it in the positive, love God. But his original twist on this summation is when he combines the commandment to love God with the commandment to love neighbor and really treats the two as one. That's Jesus' original twist uh, to this question by the Pharisees. The Jews had a pretty difficult and practical problem of trying to keep track of about 613 different precepts of the Torah. And so they would summarize the law into a single great commandment. It's clear from our Lord's words in this gospel that all along the very spirit of the law of Moses was love. The revelation in Christ that we have is not that there is no law, that the law is bad, that we have no longer any obligations as Christians, but rather that as good and as holy as the law was, it was incapable of transforming the human person. Only Jesus Christ, through the power of the Spirit, can transform and recreate the human person. But in doing so, he doesn't just toss the law aside. The law doesn't fade away as we often imagine and maybe even misinterpret certain passages in the scriptures. Rather, we might note that the law becomes more present, more real to us, not less present. Why? Because it becomes inscribed upon the human heart. The law of Moses is fulfilled now and becomes for us, it is fulfilled as the law of Christ, the law of love. It's no longer an external and impossible burden. It has become integral to your very person by the gift of God. Now, certainly ceremonial aspects of Moses' law are no longer in effect. We don't have time to go into all of that this morning. But other aspects of the law are still very much in force. In fact, they've been transformed and made even more real for us as we are required to keep them in an even more stringent manner as we have spoken of when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's the first section of our gospel, Jesus answering this question put to him by the Pharisees, and it was a bit of a hostile question as Matthew presents it in his gospel. They were trying to trip him up. But he answers their question straight away, at least in this instance. He ought to know the answer, since he's the true giver of the law anyway. Moses was not the lawgiver, he was just a messenger. Of course, these Pharisees did not recognize Jesus for who he was. The irony here is wonderful. He turns to them and decides to ask them a question. <laughs> what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Now this question that he asks them is not 
strange or out of left field. The Jews were expecting a Messiah to be sent from God. They were expecting a a new deliverer, a new Moses to lead the people in a new exodus. And Jesus is asking them what they think about this coming anointed one. So fellas, who is this Christ and where does he come from? Are you originist? Are you Athanasian? Do you hold to a a Logos Christology? Are you more Naziansen? Yesuvian of Caesarea? I don't know. What kind of Christology do you hold to? Are you Chalcedian, non-Chalcedonian, Miaphysite, Monophysite? I'm kind of trying to make a joke. These are later Christological arguments in the 3rd and 4th century. He's asking, though, the point is, he's asking about Christology. Who is the Christ? Where is he from? Now, as far as everybody here knew, Jesus, this Jesus who was speaking with them, he was some poor, uneducated son of a carpenter and peasant girl with a scandalous, checkered past. There had been some scandal about his birth at the time of their marriage. They disappeared for several years. Maybe everybody thinks they went to Egypt. But when they came back, they settled in a new town. And this Jesus has been traveling around teaching as one with authority, doing all kinds of miracles, and people are following him all over the countryside. But one thing is for sure, the anointed one sent by God will certainly not be a poor carpenter's son born in scandal. He is the great son of the great King David. And they expected him to come in power and glory to deliver them from their oppressors. Jesus goes on to quote Psalm 110, which we interestingly had as our psalm this morning in Matins. This is the most quoted Hebrew scripture in the New Testament. It is a a favorite passage with the early Christians. He says, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying... The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? The Christ, being the son, the son of David, coming after David, makes him less than David because he's his his son and he comes later. That makes him less than David. Yet David, Jesus said, writing as a prophet in the spirit, calls him Lord. When he says, the Lord, meaning Yahweh, says to my Lord, meaning the Christ, sit at my right hand. If the Christ is David's son, how can the Christ be David's Lord on a par with Yahweh himself? This is the question that Jesus puts, the Christological question that Jesus puts to the Pharisees. Of course, we know what the Pharisees did not know. They were there speaking to the Lord himself who had taken our human flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin. He had not always been, as he is now, standing there before them in human flesh as man. And yet, he has always been. He is the eternal Son of God, the Logos, the Word of the Father. He is the eternal wisdom. He is the exact image of God. He is one with the Father. When he is seen, God is seen. The law is not from Moses, who is just a man. The law, the very words of God to his people, his own special self-revelation, 
This Jesus who is speaking to these Pharisees, he is the source and the giver of the law. This man speaking to these Pharisees is the same one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He allowed himself to be contained in that burning bush just as he allowed himself to be contained in the virgin's womb. He is the word that goes forth from the Father and creates all that is. He is the word that goes forth from the church, which the Spirit enables to speak. And he recreates the worlds and he makes all things new. This is the one to whom these Pharisees are speaking. This is the Christ, the one who asks them, who is this Christ? What do you think of him? What is your Christology? They didn't know. They could not answer him a word, Matthew says, nor did anyone even dare to ask him any more questions after this episode. They could not know or receive the Lord of glory because they were full of pride, unbelief. They didn't love God, as John tells us, because their deeds were evil. And their eye was full of darkness, and therefore they could not see the light. They could not know the Christ that was speaking to them. What is our Christology? How do we know who the Christ is? Do we know who Jesus Christ really is? And where do we learn such a thing? The true identity of Jesus the Lord and Christ. We learn it in a book, in a class on metaphysics. Do we get it out of a YouTube video? I mean, who figures this kind of thing out anyway? A wise man, a philosopher, a child? That this man is God, the eternal wisdom and word, the very exact image of the Father? No one has seen the Father at any time, only the Son. And the Son alone reveals the Father. Because the Son is the exact image of God. He makes manifest God, and He is God. He is the eternal Son. He is the creator of all that is. Now He is enfleshed. In human flesh, speaking, walking, eating, sleeping, dying, risen, bearing his wounds still in his glorified body, ascended up into glory and seated at the right hand of the majesty, ruling and interceding even now, still his sacrificial body there presented on the heavenly altar. He gives us his body. He gives us his body so that we might offer it as our offering because we have nothing worthy to offer but him. He becomes our own and we offer it and he gives us back to us as heavenly food and we consume it and we are made whole. This Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Mary, he is the Lord of glory and the savior of the world. We worship him. We obey him. We give ourselves to him. And we love him by loving our neighbor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.